shall need not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still. See the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And then it says, the king himself, Jehoshaphat, then bowed his head and with his face to the ground, and all the Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell to the ground, worshiping the Lord God Almighty. He says, the battle is not yours, but it's his. He said, is that your praise steals the enemy. When you offer up the sacrifice of praise in your troubles, in your concerns, in your challenges, in your mind, when you offer up the sacrifice of praise, when you understand what it says, when he says, the fruit of your lips, you just engaged in warfare. And God says, that's how you fight your battle. Give me glory and I can't help but to show up on your behalf. I will set the crooked road straight. I will give you a river in dry lands. Hallelujah. You and your household shall be saved in Jesus' name. Glory be to God forever. Hallelujah. 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 This is how we fight our battles. Ushering in the King of glory. Who is the King of glory? The Lord God Almighty mighty in battle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Daddy, you are great, and you are greatly to be praised, and there's none like you in all heaven and earth. We worship and adore the darling of heaven. We magnify the King of kings. We give glory to the Alpha and the Omega. We lift up the Ancient of Days, for you and you alone are worthy of the glory, the honor, the power, and our praise. So right now, as we become before you, unified as a body, sealed by your blood, we thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for all those that's watching by way of the internet and those that are here. We've made an intentional decision to be unified and to come together. And so as we have, I just invite and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here with us. You inhabit our praise. You're there in the midst of two or three who are in agreement. So Holy Spirit, have your way. May the power of the burden-removing, yoke-destroying word make due course in the hearts of your people so that anyone that hears receives, and as they receive, they make intentional change to glorify you in their lives. I decrease so that you may increase. Have your way. Use my tongue as that of a pen of a ready writer, ready writer, writing on the tablets of the hearts of your people so that none will leave here the same, but they will leave here changed in an effort to glorify you in word and in deed. I thank you for every person that's here, that their heart's intent is to lift you up in their lives and to be light in a dark and dying world. We give you the glory, honor, and praise for all that you'll do today in Jesus' name. And all those that are in agreement said, amen, amen. I'm excited about today. Find three people, give them a high five, and tell them you look good. And you all can have a seat. husband and you wives, you should really be like, baby, you look good. <laughs> and wrap that up later on. Praise God. For those of you that are visiting with us for the very first time, welcome. I am not Pastor Joel Gregory, the pastor and overseer of this church, but I'm his other side. I'm the first lady. I do invite you to come back and receive from him because he is just a uh, He's an anointed man of God that will deliver the word that will impact your life forever and ever in Jesus' name. Amen. But praise God, you got to deal with me on today. Welcome to those of you that are viewing us, by, viewing us by way of social media. Glad to have you in your cozy beds. Praise the Lord for you. 
Amen. So we're wrapping up now the, uh, the, a message that I started two weeks ago, three weeks ago called Now What? We came off the cusp of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the whole point of the title Now What? is he came, he saw, he taught, and he conquered. We talked about his last 50 days in ministry. What did he do in his last 50 days of ministry? Ten days before his death, burial, and resurrection, he, he did what? Number one. He warned. He warned us about the times to come. He warned us about their immediate situation, but he warned us about our day today in which we're living in. Number two, what did he do? He prayed. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples, and then he prayed for us. Amen? And the final point, three, the last thing that he did in those last 40 days after the resurrection, because after the resurrection, he was all about showing people, hey, I'm alive. Death did not defeat me. They did not have the last word. Here I am, and that which I have, you can have. That which I did, you can do. All power has been given to me. Here I am. Take a look at me. You see me? Thomas, put your fingers in my hand. Put your hand in my side. I'm here. It's really me. That last 40 days on earth, that's what he was all about. But on that last day, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. After he came and showed himself to hundreds of people, all that would see. Number three, Jesus commissioned or he charged. He commissioned or he charged. He gave them an assignment. And he keeps giving this assignment unto this day. And that assignment has perpetuated and perpetuated and perpetuated over the last 2,000 years that we have more people proclaiming Jesus Christ today than ever a time in history. Matthew chapter 28, he finally says in verse 18 and 20, reading from the New King James Version, and Jesus came and he spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, do, to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And after that, the skies cracked open and he ascended. Number three, Jesus charged his people with an assignment. We're going to break this down a little bit. See, we, I believe truly that we are in our last days. I believe that this generation will see the coming. I, I'm convinced. I'm telling you. I'm like, Jesus, Maranatha, Maranatha, like for real. Come, Lord, come. And so I'm going to share with you nine end-time realizations. Nine end-time realizations. So number one, I'm going to break down this Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 a little bit. Number one, Jesus, it says here in the scripture that Jesus came and spoke to them. Who was them? All those that believed. Number one realization, realize that we are part of a larger family. Realize that you are a part of a larger family. Yeah, you have lineage. Yeah, you can probably go and get a 23andMe or Ancestry.com DNA analysis and go back and trace your history. That's great. That's good. That's fine. But your spiritual lineage is what guarantees you heaven, not your physical lineage. Your physical, your spiritual lineage trumps any curse that your physical lineage might have brought your way. Your spiritual lineage comes with a package of promises and a will that has been fulfilled on your behalf way beyond your physical lineage could have ever done. It's good to leave a legacy, but make sure your legacy is filled with a spiritual lineage that you plan for your heirs to inherit. When you understand that you are part of a bigger family, Scripture talks about that witness that's in the clouds. Mama and Grandmama and Daddy and Papa and Uncle Earl and, and, and Ray Ray and, 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 and Aunt Jeanine, they might be in that cloud of witness, but your cloud of witness goes all the way to the days of Abraham. Your cloud of witness goes all the way back to the days of Noah. Your cloud of witness goes all the way back to, yeah, David, to Joseph. To Josiah, your spiritual lineage, your family that you're a part of, 
It's so much bigger than that. But guess what? You have ability. I don't care if you've given birth or not. I don't care if you're a parent or not. You have the ability to expand your spiritual family. And when you understand when Jesus said this to them, he didn't care about who was related or not related. All he wanted them to do is to go out and make more sisters and brothers in the faith. In fact, Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 through 16, let me read this to you. Jesus said, and behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers, the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you these things to the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. He says in the beginning in verse 12 that my reward is with me to give according to everyone according to his work. I looked that up, what, he said, what he's really intending there. He's there with his reward to give every believer according to the faith they exercise and demonstrated on the earth. And it started with your witness to your sisters and your brothers. It started with your convictions and the power of your testimony. How low were you willing to get to share how good God has been to you? How humble are you willing to be to, to exalt the God Almighty? Understand that you're part of a larger family empowers you now to continue to expand that family. I know a lot of times we go to these homecomings, homegoings, and we're celebrating the lives of that person that passed. And as many as I've gone through, sometimes there has been a few where I just had to pray that we'll see them in heaven. Because the parent just didn't know. We just choose to believe that they made the decision because they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at that homegoing, everyone that I've gone to and that my husband has done, there's an opportunity to make more sisters and brothers. And that's the most glorious thing at the homegoing. We celebrate the life of one that left this earth, but we celebrate the lives of those that, are ready, that, that, are, that desire to enter heaven. Amen? Amen? Number two, Jesus has all authority, not you. Realize we, independent of Jesus, don't call the shots. We don't, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how many degrees you have. We, we have a good friend of ours. He's gone on to be with the Lord. And we're still friends with his wife to this day. Just love and adore her. We had a chance to sit and talk. And we just spent time talking about him. This dude was a nuclear engineer. He was a scientist for NASA. This dude was a sponge for knowledge, but you would have never met a more humble dude. You would have never met a more humble dude because when he, when he experienced Christ, he said all of a sudden what opened up to him because, you know, talking about his last days, and he would share this with us before he went on to be with the Lord. He would say, oh, I knew everything. I went all over the world. I didn't marry too late in life because I just wasn't no good for nobody, even though I knew everything and everybody claimed they needed me. He used people. He hurt people. He, 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 whoo, you know who I'm talking about. He, and to, but to look at him, and when he tells the stories, Fred, when you look at him and he tells us these stories, you're like, I don't even see how you're capable of this. You're looking into these, this, this, these rosy cheeks, this white hair, these piercing blue eyes, and he's like, it's just so sweet. But he said, I realized that I wasn't in control. And when I encountered Jesus, I realized how much I didn't know. Jesus calls the shots, not us. In other words, when we find ourselves trying to do it our way, if you find yourselves on a merry-go-round, why am I repeating the same issues? New people, same issue. Why do I find myself perpetuated in this here, in this cycle of bills that I got to choose and just whichever one lands on top, that's the one I pay? Been there, done that. When I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul, 
been there, done that, when I feel like I got to manipulate and side with somebody so that I can get my promotion and not by the integrity of my own work, I got to buddy up and make my own favor. How many of you have ever, I've been there, done that, and it always backfired. Always backfired. But when we align, us, align ourselves with Jesus, I just had a testimony last week. A woman come up to me and didn't know how she was going to get it done. She wanted her kids to get into great school. She wanted to get a new job. Wanted how, and she couldn't figure out how it was going to get done. Somebody found her, recruited her. Give her this big old signing bonus, $21,000 raise. Get her kids get into supernaturally just excellent school. They give her more than half of the tuition and scholarship. And I'm like, all I can say to her is, congratulations, praise God, because favor ain't fair. Amen. When you're on God's side, you'll realize how less you have to work. When you align yourself with Jesus, he's calling the shots, and he's going to maneuver and switch the situation so that it's in your favor. Amen. Amen. Mark 16, 17 through 28, he says, and these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, they will take up serpents. In my name, if they drink anything deadly, it won't hurt them. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The power that's been delegated to you is not wrapped up in your degrees. It's not wrapped up in your connections. It's not wrapped up in your sorority or fraternity. Those things are cool, but trust and know. Ultimately, the favor and what, what goes good in your life comes down from the Lord above. Amen. Number three, he says, go therefore. Realize as Christians, we got to be active. If you're an inactive, non-Christian, speaking, non-hallelujah speaking person on Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, you got to check yourself. He says, realize that... Go, therefore, realize that you got to get active. No one achieves kingdom citizenship by sitting on their bump. You can't. No one can achieve kingdom citizenship by sitting on their derriere. Jesus was all about service. Jesus was all about getting it done. Jesus was all about involvement. Jesus was all about impact. Do you know that you are an influencer? Planet Shakers isn't just the name of a group. You are a planet shaker. Do you know someone needs your voice in their life? Someone requires your presence in their life. We're not talking about just being perfect and qualified, having what I need to get this new job first and everything else. Do you know somebody, half the testimonies that come through about my husband was people that were there when he was digging through garbage cans, pulling out cans. People that were there cooking meals for him because he, he didn't have food on his own. People that were there and saw him testify on his behalf today. They would share these stories with me after we got married, saying he kept and remained faithful. He kept serving. He remained diligent. Some of them was like, I didn't know what this dude was on. I'm thinking somebody done brainwashed him. But he remained faithful. When you realize who you serve, it should compel you to get up and say, let me be a service to others, even when you're in your downtime. Just remain faithful. And I'm telling you, in your downtime, that's what people will remember is how God rose you up. How he resurrected you in your situation. And those that see that, those that know that, they can't help but to be convinced that, oh, at least I know that God is alive in him. Now you got to watch out on the front back end because every time something happens, they want to come with it. You know, you become the advisor, but that's all right. No one achieves kingdom citizenship by sitting on their behind. James chapter 2 says, faith without works is what? Dead. We can confess. We can pray. Check this. You can quote the entire book of John and Hebrews. But if you ain't doing nothing, Paul said, I could pray. I could fast. I could lay my life down and be martyred. It means nothing if I don't get up in love. 
Amen. Number four, he said, make disciples. Realize that we must be intentional about making Jesus deposits in every relationship we encounter. Realization number four, realize that we must be intentional about making Jesus deposits in every relationship we encounter. Everybody that you encounter, I'm not saying going, hallelujah, praise the Lord, how you doing? I'm highly favored, I'm blessed and highly favored and empowered to prosper, hallelujah. <laughs> they like. No, but you're responsible for making Jesus deposits in everyone that you meet. What does that mean, being a light? People can hear much louder what you do than what you say. In fact, I would charge you to be careful about what you say because they're checking it behind what you do. And they'll give you more believability and more integrity behind what you do rather than what you say. Because you can say something, their imagination, their concept and perception of what you said might be one thing. But if you just live it, oh, you just built the building blocks of life. Amen. Understand that everyone you encounter deserves, deserves love. They deserve your patience. They deserve your long-suffering. They don't deserve abuse. I'm not saying that. But understand, when you calculate what God has been to you, when you were yet a sinner, when you were yet foul, disgusted, disgusted, when you yet rejected him, when you lived a life intentionally contrary to his will, when you existed even as a saint in a state of offense, but he still loved you, he still blessed you, he still kept you, he still protected you, he still provided for you. When you realize that, then you owe somebody something. Because that's the light that he wants you to uphold so that he can be glorified. So that when, you, when they ask you, how do you do what you do? How do you hustle so hard after he did what he did, but you still make a way for your kids? How do you do what you do with a smile on your face? How do you raise a child, adopt somebody else's kid, love them, invest in them, treat them like he came from your own vows to the point where no one even knows? How do you love somebody like that? How do you live this life with a smile on your face as hard as it's been, accomplishing degrees, how did you trudge along? How did you fight through court situations and media blasts? With a smile on your face. Now, when they ask you that question, you can see, my God has been good to me. Nothing but the grace of God, his love and mercy. And now, you didn't evangelize them they set themselves up to be evangelized. Amen. Jesus said in John chapter 12, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. You know, when, when I first got saved, like for real saved. Yeah, don't, don't judge me. Y'all know y'all had to, you know, answer that altar call a few times. When I for real got saved. One of the first things I did is I went and had to go back and tell my friends, I don't live that life no more. And I was the ringleader. I was one of the oldest. My birthday's in March. I bought the liquor. I found out where the parties was. I found out what club had ladies' night. I knew what time we had to be there by. I was the fool of the crowd. I know y'all like, Pastor Trish, not you. Now, I'm not like most of y'all who came out speaking in tongues, saved, sanctified, set apart for the master's use. It took me some time. One of the first things I had to do was go tell my friends that I don't live that life no more. And of course, they didn't believe me because, you know, I was still going through some transition. I'm just keeping it real. It didn't all fall off at one time. Most of it did, but some of that stuff just didn't want to leave. And, you know, I told y'all last week I went to go visit my friend. 
two, two friends particular, and one of them was someone that's known me since high school. And at first when she told me, you know, she was a churchgoer, but I, you know, I, I, and she said she was saved, and I believed her. But, you know, her life was a little different than mine, quite a bit different than mine. And when I went to go visit her, she was actively and intentionally talking about her church, where she goes, the message. That was the first time we had that type of exchange in the 30-some-odd years I've known her. And it was, even though she's perhaps newly recommitted in her life, it inspired me. It encouraged me. Realize you have to be active in your faith. You have to make disciples. You have the ability to make Jesus deposits in everyone that you encounter. And be led because you also have an assignment to intentionally disciple others. Men in this group, we have a, a church full of good, well-intended men. Men of God. We have men that serve. I mean, I'm just, I am just so thrilled about the men of God that's in this church. Married and single. Praise God. Ladies, you should be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't care where your husband is in his walk. I don't care what happened last night or this morning getting ready for church. If he's here, if he's watching with you online right now, you better be like, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But men, with so many young men going all kinds of ways. I know some are further along in their walk than others. But there's a heart inside of you and a power that operates in you that's able to impact and influence people towards Jesus. Amen. And I would strongly urge you to be led about who it is that you need to deposit into. Number five. Teach. Jesus charged them to teach. Realize you have something to teach about Jesus. No matter where you are in your walk, there's something you can teach a young Christian to help develop their walk. Sometimes your greatest lessons aren't those that were learned while on the mountaintop. Sometimes your greatest lessons are those that you learned while you were in the valley. Revelation says that we overcome by the, the word of our testimony and the blood of Jesus. You'd be amazed at what your test, how your testimony can impact another. I was talking with somebody just the other day, and they were telling me that when the person shared what they had been through in their marriage, they got a light bulb that went on about what they needed to do to change for their relationship. Their testimony, not a whole bunch of scriptures, taught them something. You hear what I'm saying? A lot of times we can become so religious. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, they knew the law. In fact, Jesus said, did you not read? Because they knew. The flip side was that they didn't live. They didn't live. So I don't care how, you, how much you know. I don't know enough to do what I do. I don't. I'm on phones all the time. How do we do this payroll situation? I don't know enough to do what I do, but God empowers me, surrounds me by people that do. I didn't know enough to get to where I got. I don't know enough to have what we, what we, what we earn what we've earned. I don't. I don't have hookups and all this. I know a lot of people, but I'm just too proud to ask sometimes. But... My testimony and what I'm willing to deposit into other people, whether it's from the mountain or out the valley, teaches. It instructs. When I'm not afraid to say Jesus said, it teaches and it instructs. When I'm not afraid to answer their question and give a response to their, to their inquiry, I'm teaching. A lot of times we think we just have to pray five hours a day, fast at three days a week, and, and then we're, no. Your everyday life teaches. And check this, your everyday life, the ones that it teaches the most, if you have children in your house, they can't hear nothing you say beyond how you live. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, in fact, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
It wasn't just Jesus that said it. Paul turned around and reinforced it. Number six, Jesus commanded. Realize that we have to have our own relationship with Jesus to know what he commanded, to know his voice. God will never tell you to do anything that's contrary to his word. So if you know, if his word dwells richly in you, as Colossians had already said, if you know his command to love, if you study his word, if you allow that to live inside of you, then it's easy for you to hear his voice. I'm not messing with anybody, but I am going to say this. Oftentimes people will tell me, God told me to do this. And I'm like, well, what scripture did he back that up with? What scripture did he lead you to to back that up with? Because we can hear voices all day. The Parkland shooter heard voices. Charles Manson heard voices. We can hear voices all day, every day. But then there's this, there's this filter called the Word of God. And if he's telling you to do something, you press in and seek out the scripture that backs up what he says. Amen. Amen. And if you don't have that, pause on that. Say lie on that. Meditate and wait until he told you what he told you and reinforced what he told you. Amen. I remember when, you know, I was brand new and, you know, I was newer to the things of God, been for real saved for probably about two years, and I meet Joel Gregory. I didn't like him when I first met him. I mean, you know, nice and everything else, but like for real, the night we met, he interrogated me. He asked me questions. I'm like, no, this dude is not sitting up here asking me these questions. We don't know. We ain't even been on a date yet. And he's telling me, I'm dating strictly for this purpose of marriage. I don't know you. <laughs> and he goes through this, I mean, this inventory list, like for real, three hours at 12 o'clock at midnight, New Year's Day. And I was kind of agitated. But at the end, now mind you, I'm new to the things of God. Like, really new. And I hadn't, I couldn't say at that point I had ever heard the voice of God. But when we parted ways, and I'm like perplexed, I turned to my girlfriend who waited with me. She was like, dog, that was pretty intense. I was like, I know, but you know what? I think I just heard God say it. I just met my husband. And she's like, for real? Her eyes got big. She's like, for real? Because <laughs> I never said that before. And I had enough sense to, to pause. I only told her at that time. And, I, uh, and I, I paused on that until he showed me by his word what he would do. And in that instance, he led me to John 14 and said, I will show you, lead you into all truth. And he, what he, actually what he told me is, if you do right, you just met your husband. That's exactly what he told me. I'm like, well, he got to do right too. <laughs> you know, he got to earn all this glory. <laughs> ah, I cracked myself up. First John chapter 5, he says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It's okay to say you heard the voice of God, but make sure you can back that up with a signed contract called his word. Amen. Number seven, discomfort. Realize that no matter how lonely and or uncomfortable it gets, Jesus is always with you. No matter how lonely or uncomfortable it gets, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you wherever you go. Even in your mess, he's there to give you a way of escape. Even in your mess, he's giving you a way of escape. Even after your mess, he's giving you grace by way you can repent and be redeemed from it. He empowers you to endure the course that you've paid for your life. Life will sometimes be difficult, and we will encounter seasons that are challenging, but in those times, there is never vain. In those times, he shows up the strongest. If you go through the Old Testament, you notice that it's when they're in the midst of a famine. They're in slavery. They're in political crisis. They're in all the types of stuff. That's when Jesus, that's when we read about all those miracles. That's when he parted the Red Sea. That's when the ten plagues came. That's when the woman who gave her last oil and, and flour to Elijah broke out with all these other 
foods and was able to sustain her and her husband, her and her son. That's when the uh, the, uh, the the barren woman gives birth to a son and, and experiences him being resurrected for the, from the dead. It's in our lowest moments that Jesus says, "I'm there with you." And oftentimes in our lowest moments, we get mad at God. We get mad at God, and I understand that it hurts. It hurts to lose a spouse. It hurts to lose a child. It hurts to endure something like sexual harassment or rape. It hurts. I'm just telling you where we are. It hurts to be abused. It hurts to be discriminated against and oppressed. It hurts to not be able to make the bills. It hurts telling your kids no when they just want to have some McDonald's. But it's when it hurts the most that your faith needs to be amped up the most. When just having an awareness of who he is and letting this be your meditation, this is but for a season because he said he would never leave me nor forsake me. I have twice the promises of David. And if David said that he's been young and he's been old, but he's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread, guess what? I have twice the promise because mine is sealed with the body and the blood. So realize there will be discomfort. There will be challenges. There will be seasons of ebbs and flows. But Jesus is with you even in the midst of those. Number eight, the end of age. Realize that God desires your faith and not your strength or your excuses. He says, I'm with you until the end of age. In other words, endure with me. I don't need your strength, and I sure don't need your excuses. Just endure with me, and I'm with you until the, not the end of your life, but the end of age. I'm with you beyond you. I'm with you in that next generation. I'm with them in their next generation. I'm with you throughout your entire life. I don't care what, how bleak the future may look, I'm with you. Jesus, I mean, God, in fact, Jesus said that I'm here to fulfill the covenant that was made with Abraham. Realize that God does not need your strength, your education, your hookups, your associations, your money, or your excuses. In fact, this is what, let me read a few of these because I was like, this is, dog, this is good. Wow, this is good. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 15 and 16. The Message Bible says, don't interfere with good people's lives. Don't try to get the best of them. No matter how many times you try to trip them up, God, loyal people, they don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet, while the wicked end up flat on their faces. Oh, you can't make that more raw than that. Proverbs chapter 24, 15 and 16, viewers. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10, in the Amplified, he says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength was already small. Wow. Proverbs 24, 10, in the message, same passage, he says in the message, <laughs> hilarious to me, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, you weren't, if, crisis, if you fall up to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. <laughs> I didn't say that. There's a quote there by Bill Retchen that says, excuses are the nails used to build a house of failure. Excuses are the nails that build the house of failure. Number nine, walk in, in order to walk this, realize you must embrace a kingdom mindset and know that there is a suffering for the Lord. In order to walk in this, you must Adopt a kingdom mindset and just know that there is a suffering for the Lord. A lot of times, I mentioned this last week, a lot of times in our faith, we believe our faith is there to make sure everything stays right. I just said that our faith is there to help us endure when everything seems wrong. And in that seems some discomfort. When I went and told my friends that I'm saved now and I don't live this life, I was uncomfortable. I told you I was the ringleader. I was a fool of fools. And I'm telling them this, I'm uncomfortable, I'm teased, I'm rejected. Four of them, I ain't never heard from them again. Galatians says, chapter 3, verse 4, if you suffered so much for the good news, surely it wasn't in vain, now was it? Are you now just going to throw it all away? 
when you make decisions for God, when you make a decision not to cuss at work, not to cuss, period. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I have a clean mouth. When you make a decision to put down that cigarette, when you make a decision to not engage in the at-risk behavior that tempts you towards adultery, when you make a decision to have a clean social media page, it can be uncomfortable. When you, un when you unfollow or block that friend that got the girl with all this hanging out, it can be uncomfortable. Oh, oh you, it's like that now. When you make those decisions, it can be uncomfortable. It can be a kind of suffering full of the Lord. When you're accused of something you know you didn't do, when people are framing you for something that you, you know you was there but it wasn't you, when you have to dodge and manipulate words so that you keep the image of somebody else even though you're the one that have to look bad, that's a suffering for the Lord. And when you do that, he says it wasn't in vain. Romans chapter 12 tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind so that what? You can prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 5 says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Why? How? By the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that tries to exalt itself against the what? The knowledge of God. When you have a knowledge of God and you're enacting it, you got to know that there's a mindset that's going, that there's an enemy that's coming to challenge your mindset. Change does not happen by all of a sudden just, just, just dressing a different way. Change doesn't happen from the outside in. Change happens from the inside out. And it starts up here. This here is a pivoting point of how we're going to live. And we have to make a decision to renew our mind, not once a week, but daily. Someone said this quote, and I just jotted it down. I can't remember who said it, but said, watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Einstein said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we use to create them. We can't solve our problems with the same thinking we use to create them. So now what? Now what? Jesus came, he saw, he conquered. Jesus came and he warned, he came and he prayed, he came and he charged. So now what? He, he has disciples now that lets us know that he is in us as we are in him. We are the body of Christ. John chapter 4, he says, we have known and believed the love that God hath towards us. God is love and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we have the boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. You are many Jesus is in this world. Do you realize that? Do you realize that you can speak and people can fall back? You can say something and people are perplexed. Can, do you realize that? Do you realize that there are paths being maneuvered, for, being orchestrated for you right now? You praying for that contract. You've done all that you can do. That contract is already sealed up for you. Do you realize that people were moved out of position and placed into position to give you favor? That's how we got in this building. The previous principal didn't want nothing to do with linked up church. She was moved out of the position. A new principal was moved in the position. She wanted the church in, the, in this building. And guess what? After we got here and everything and the reputation and the relationship was secured, she went on to do greater things in Jesus' name. I choose to believe it for nothing else. She was placed in that position for that short period of time for us. When you understand Romans chapter 6, verse 5 and 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall walk in newness of life. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Do you realize that you, who you are, when you say, I am a Christian, you are no longer just the genetic result of your mama and your daddy. You know, you, your DNA has changed. 
your DNA is changed. So instead of your DNA just being this, what's how you pronounce this, deoxyribonucleic acid, you scientists, you know what it is. <laughs> That's why they call it DNA. It was so confusing to, to say when I pressed repeat, or when I pressed pronunciation on my iPad, it wouldn't even pronounce. But it defines the DNA as the thread-like chain of nucleotides carrying the genetic instructions used in the growth, development, functioning, and reproduction of all known living organisms. You inherited the DNA of God. Amen. When you said yes to Christ, your DNA is no longer this deoxydrylacid. Your DNA now, spiritual DNA now becomes the divine nature of the anointed. It is now the divine nature of the anointed. And let me explain to you and define to you what the divine nature of the anointed is. Are you ready for this? I don't think you're ready for this. I, I, I'm only going to say it one time. So listen very closely. I did a revamp. You ready? I have here, I got, you got, we got, we got loyalty and royalty inside our DNA. We got war and peace, great victory inside our DNA. He put power, passion, plans, and joy inside our DNA. We have nonstop growth, ambitions flow inside our DNA. We were formed like this, his son like this, immaculate conception. We are not born like this, transformed like this, we're Yeshua's new weapon. We don't contemplate, we meditate, remembering what he said, put this, put this in your head. This, that, we got, I got, we got, we got realness. He has healed us because it's in our DNA. We got challenges and calluses to front our DNA. But remember this, he programmed this inside our DNA. Crushed that enemy, he knows that he can't stand this DNA. We just win again and win again like Wimbledon we serve. He is a king again and yet again he's coming for his church. You will hear him say and see the day and so be on your guard. Yeah, he knows just how you work, and he knows just who you are. What's my point? When I say now what, we celebrate a resurrection. How deeper did it, how much deeper did it go? Psalms chapter 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, okay, I understand the, the traditional, yeah, let the redeemed say so, that I am redeemed. But understand, in the face of your adversity, you just got to say so. In the face of the attacks, you just got to say so. In the, face, in the face of a challenge, you got to say so. In the, face, in the face of a problem, you just got to say so. I have royalty in my DNA. I have in my DNA. I win again and again in my DNA. I'm more than a conqueror in my DNA. I don't care how he wrote the original song. Doggone, this is mine. Amen. Having the divine nature of the anointed, the anointed means that rubbed on John, that smeared on power of God. And as much as it could be rubbed on us, it could be rubbed off of us. So it's our responsibility every single day to make sure that we're in a place that it can be rubbed on us. And when it's rubbed on us, we can walk through walls. We can walk on water. We can walk through trouble. We can walk through hell with a smile. Amen. 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 That was my rapping debut. <laughs> so you all get anything out of that? Jesus warned, he prayed, and he charged. Now, what you going to do? He did everything he needed to do. And it says, Scripture says that he went up to heaven and he's seated at the right hand of God, making intercessions. He ain't getting up no more until it's time to come back and wrap this up. And in the meantime, what you going to do? Stay ready. You don't have to get ready. Your dependence doesn't come from your job. It doesn't come from your spouse. It don't come from nobody else. Your dependence is on the Lord. Amen.
Amen. So while everyone is in an attitude of prayer right now, I want to make sure that there's a kingdom mindset in, with everyone here. I want to make sure that everyone here has a ticket to heaven. I want to make sure everyone here lives a life that Jesus said for which, why he came. He said, I came that they might have life and have life more abundantly. I want to make sure that when you pray, you experience answered prayers. I want to make sure that you're in a state of being ready and not find yourself have to get ready. I want to make sure that you're in that cloud when we're all caught up in the sky. So, Jesus said that I've laid my life down and resurrected just so you can make sure that you know that I'm with you forever and always. Jesus said that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God says I'm forever, mar I'm forever married to mine. So if you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can't show anyone in the contract where you know that you are saved. If that's you, I want to pray with and for you. Or perhaps you've lived a life contrary to the Word of God. You know you've been cutting up. You know you've been the ringleader. You know that you have secrets that you'd rather kept, keep secret. You know that you need to get it right. We've been there. I dare to say everybody in here been there and done that. I told you I had to get my dip, dip on two or three times. Some people call it being backslidden. We just call it being out of fellowship. But I would love to pray with and for you, get you back on the right, tr right track, and show you where he says, hey, I ain't mad at you. I'm just waiting for you to come back with open arms. And when you come back, he don't just make you feel good. He gives you that signet ring. He gives you his best cape. He makes sure that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's there with and for you. Or perhaps you want to learn more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit by, uh, with the uh, spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. It's not a spooky or weird experience. It's not something that he takes control of. It's an experience subsequent to salvation that gives you a direct connection to heaven. So if you want to learn more about that, we would love to show you that and and pray you through that experience. And finally, perhaps you've been church hopping. You've never committed to a church or you're not committed to a church right now. And you believe and you, you, you just sense in your spirit that linked up church is the church for you. That, and you would like to receive Pastor Gregory and I as your pastors. We are honored to serve. We are committed, called, and passionate about your victory, you receiving the word of God, and our prayers for you. We are passionate about that. And if you would like to make Linked Up Church your church home, we would love to give you that information. I'd like to pray with you about that as well. So with any of those invitations, I gave four invitations. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if any of those four invitations.